Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports, and joined by former U.S. international midfielder and NWSL analyst Lori Lindsay for today's episode, where we're going to be previewing the United States women's national team versus Colombia. Before we get into everything, a quick reminder to subscribe to us on YouTube for NWSL extended highlights, exclusive interviews, our live recaps, and so much more, youtube.com slash attacking third. Hit subscribe. It helps us out big time here at A3. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back with you both. How y'all doing? Great to see you. Welcome back. Happy freaking birthday. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, we I celebrated love, uh, Sandra's birthday this week. We got Lori back on the show. We, I am happy to be here. Thrilled. Thrilled to be with you both. I'm I'm thrilled to be with you both, too, uh, talking soccer as always uh we got a big one here we got a couple friendlies that we got to preview but it's our no little friendlies okay these are the friendlies that are going to be taking place ahead of the CONCACAF w championship the world cup qualifier so a little bit of a tune-up here for for both of these teams quite frankly because for folks who may have missed it we did the uh colombia side of this preview with melissa ortiz uh to talk about all things colombian football and now we're going to be taking a deeper dive on the u.s women's national team side of things so for colombia they've got copa america which is uh, also serving as their qualifiers as well uh and the united states have the Concacaf championship that's going to be taking place just after these friendlies beginning on july 4th in Monterrey, Mexico. So yeah, maybe on the calendar, it looks like a regular international window, but there's some things to iron out here. I think we can all be in an agreement ahead of this CONCACAF championship window. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's, let's start there. There was a lot of reaction to the rosters that got announced for, for these friendlies because of the way the U.S. Federation, U.S. Soccer Federation went ahead and announced these things. Uh, they announced that the Vlaco had named a number of players uh, on, on the roster, but it was a dual roster. It's Here's 26 players who are going to be available uh, for these June window friendlies. But within these 26 players... Here are the 23 who will also be heading to CONCACAF Championship in Monterrey. So let's let's start there. Let's talk about how there are going to be two games, both on the 25th, uh, on Saturday, June 25th, and Tuesday, June 28th. The first in Commerce City, Colorado. Uh, the next in Sandy, Utah. Uh, for both of these, uh, both of these matches, and um, a little bit of a, like I said, I refer to it as a, as a tune-up. So I think maybe let's start with the fact that that's kind of maybe the storyline going into into this one. When those rosters dropped, we can both agree that there were a handful of players within these this roster 
that probably need to get a little bit of a run out before they go and uh, face off in kind of a big, a very big tournament that's going to have implications for qualifying for the World Cup and going to have implications for qualifying for the Olympics. So I'm going to go with you here first, Lindsay, because you're, you are a former player. You have the ex- experience that Lisa and I don't have and can't give insight to. When you are getting ready, when you are getting in the mind space to sort of take on this sort of tune-up game, let's say, you know, there's, there's these matches that take place ahead of a very big tournament. And we've seen that we're going to see them happening this, this week. We're going to see, we've seen it happen before with those Olympic send-off games, you know, World Cup send-off games. What's the mindset like as a player going into these type of games ahead of such a big tournament? Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of exactly what you said. It's a tune-up, right? And I think, you know, we, we've talked about this on the U.S. Women's National Hour and even on just Attacking Third in general about, you know, gone are the days when the U.S. gets to come in um, and, like, have a plethora amount of time, these players together for for leading up to these, like, major tournaments or the qualifications. So it is important to get players um, connected on the field as much as possible. So as much as I think some of us would like to see rotation, um, of the lineup or even some of the three players when there's a 26 group, some of the three players, particularly like a Sam Coffey, Carson Pickett, Jalen Howell, the three getting some time in there. I'm not so sure we will because historically we've also seen Vlaco um, go with very, fairly similar lineups um, when there's been like back-to-back friendlies as well and in, in um, different international breaks. So I think we're actually going to see a fairly similar lineup in both of these that we'll see headed into the qualifiers just to get solidified with um, what group he wants, get them some connectivity out in the field. And then obviously once you get into the tournament, you'll start to see a little bit more rotation and then subs made at different times, depending on score lines and um, the details within the game. But for these two, I think we'll start to see very much a similar lineup and not a ton of change. I agree with that because uh, although I, it would be great to see Carson Pickett, Sam Coffey, Jalen Howe get minutes, right? Significant minutes, see how they compete with the national team. Even if they don't see time in either of these June friendlies, um, they are at the training camp, and that's a huge assessment tool for someone like Vlako Andonovsky for the future because he knows that these three aren't necessarily – they're not coming to Colombia – or excuse me, they're not coming to Mexico for the W championship. They they are here purely to be evaluated in training and see how they gel with other players. Um, and to have them in that professional training environment with the national team – is huge for those players, but he is looking ahead to the W championship and qualifying for the world cup and potentially the Olympics and having so many players, just 10 of these 23 that are going to Monterey, Mexico um, have experience in world cup or Olympic qualifiers. The other 13, um, they are making their debuts at the senior level in this type of environment, which is huge. That's that's a huge stepping stone to be in that type of situation, in that type of environment. Also, not on American soil, right? They're going to Mexico. And because of that, it's a whole different factor about the facilities and the field and the fans and who's going to be cheering for them and all of those things come into play. But specifically, when we look at just the two friendlies coming up against Colombia, um, I agree. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see Pickett, Coffee, or Howell get minutes I, however, I agree with Lori 100% in that the lineups that we'll see from one game to the next 
will be pretty consistent. And depending on how they do and how they mesh well together, we uh, I would expect to see that come July 4th when the U.S. starts to play in the W Championship. But it's still a huge experience, right, for these three extras that are getting called in. And, I mean, I would love to see them. But, like, yeah. I don't – I doubt that's going to happen. I just think it's too close. I'm with, I'm with the both of you. I think looking ahead to things, we're talking about a game on the 25th, a game on the 28th, and then boom, July 4th, this tournament is kicking off. It's just too close of a window to still try to have maybe this, this thought process of let's try to get some looks at other players in other positions here. Like that's the, the window for that is shut. It is absolutely closed. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about how this roster, there were things like injury, the things like pregnancy that were coming into play that kind of shaped this roster for the United States going into the qualifiers and uh, essentially these two friendlies as well. Uh, But I think looking at some of these players who are the newer faces uh, called up to this roster are players that they're going to want to try to get some minutes under their belt. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we saw somebody like a Naomi Girma getting some extended time in, in these, in either of these two matches against Columbia. And I'm a little curious uh, as to where they see somebody like a Taylor Cognac, a Taylor Cognac, if she's going to be utilized in the game plans in an extensive uh, for an extended amount of time or minutes in either of those games. So I think there are certain things positionally that I think we can maybe look at and say that we might actually see a new face technically here or there within these friendlies, but for how long and for how often, I think that's a little bit uh, up in the air still. And and we'll see. And in terms of, um, in terms of a starting lineup, are are there actual players uh, across this roster that you do want to see get some extended time, uh, whether they're newer players or players that have been mostly called in under Vlako Andonovsky over these last six months? Like, is there that concept, Lori, where maybe uh, at this point in time, you know what somebody like a Mal Pugh is bringing, or you know what somebody like a Sophia Smith is bringing. Are you still rolling the dice this close to qualifiers? Uh, well, we do know what they're bringing. They're bringing MVP status yep. in, yep. in the NWSL right and now. Goals. And uh, goals. No, I mean, I think those two uh, for sure are given. See, like they're for, uh, two of the first players that you're putting on that um, uh, start sheet, right? Um going into these games and I don't think that will change as long as there's like little factors because everyone's a little bit in different areas of accumulation of NWSL games so that does have to be taken into factor of where people are headed into these games and that's one of the main reasons why I see if there's any changes outside of like what Vlaco is really kind of like this is what we're going with would be just that like what is how is that how are players managing fatigue because a Washington Spirit player would look very different than maybe a Gotham player who's played like three less games or something, let's just say, right. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. that out there um, with the amount of games in a short amount of time. So, um, but th- there's certainly players that I want to see. I mean, I think even when we did our last prediction on what our starting lineups would be, I would like to see Gurma and cook um, in that back line, right. You know what Becky Sire is going to bring, Becky mm-hmm. is going to bring you, um, she, you know, depending on how many minutes or if you want her leadership back there, great. But I do think it'd be interesting to have a Gurma and a Cook yeah. um, as a starting partnership. Huerta, 
on the right side. I would love to see Fox on the left. So there's some players. I mean, I like your shout out about Korniak um, and depending on how it's going in camp, um, we'll see. I don't know necessarily if she'll get a start in these games, but there might be one or two tweaks that are a bit of a, not a surprise, but that he might go with a different look. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, I think that we might see a typical group that he has rolled out um, going in, going into these games. I mean, looking at the forward line, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can all agree it's going to be Mallory Pugh, Alex Morgan, Sophia Smith to, to get the start up top. Okay. And he's even said that, that those are players that he wants to get time together and consistent minutes on the pitch. Um, frankly, for me, in goal, I want to see Aubrey Kingsbury get a start and maybe a full 90. She's only got one cap with the national team. Um, Casey Murphy, she's got four heading into this one. However, I, I think Kingsbury deserves a more time and more uh, consistency. We know Alyssa Nair is, is going to be the one for the U.S., I think, at this point. But I want to see Kingsbury get a full game, a full 90, get the start, see what she can do in a back line, um, especially in possession with the U.S., right, who may not face that many shots. How can she organize and lead from the back? You can still assess a goalkeeper's talents and skills and leadership in, in that sense. Um Totally agree. Uh, Gurma in the back line. I, I think she needs to get time right at this rate. If there's injuries happening, like who else is really going to step into that back line when you look at this? Besides, if you have a Sauerbrunn and a Cook starting, um, he doesn't really like to put Emily Sana in the center back. So then that really leans on a Gurma, and she she deserves some minutes, especially before qualifying. It would it would be a shame for her to get. Um, you know, her second cap in CONCACAF qualifying game that would be happening there. Um, but in terms of the outside back roles, if I, I want to ask you guys this, it, with the outside backs that are listed on this roster with Emily Fox, Sophia Huerta, Sonic, Kelly O'Hara, is there a rotation of players that you want to see? Or do you think it'll be consistently Emily Fox getting that start on the left? Could we see rotation of players? And, and then between like an O'Hara and a Huerta, which one do you think should be playing more minutes in that role? Um, you know, I think for me, when I'm when I'm looking at sort of the the fullbacks in in this one for these two friendlies against Colombia specifically, I I think you're having Kelly O'Hara be the be the player to sort of be that player that that gets rotated out. Uh, she had kind of been dealing with some injury with with the spirit uh, in the last few weeks during. NWSL regular season and a big part of that was also because of the very match heavy schedule mm -hmm. that the spirit also have been dealing with in their opening months of the regular season but now that she's coming back into form with uh just in general both for club and country you have to imagine that for a player like her with her experience that she knows that she's got to probably get some minutes under her belt going into qualifiers. So I would imagine we actually do see her a lot more than maybe people were anticipating mm -hmm. ahead of the CONCACAF qualifiers. I think the other argument for other folks might be, well, you want to save those legs for whatever <laughs> amounts that you have left of them for the qualifiers specifically. But I think you want to try to go in with your best foot forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if she got some extended minutes in at least one of these games with some combination of either Huerta or Fox kind of mm -hmm. being the player to, to rotate. So I think between the three of these players, they might be splitting a shift here. Um, you know, within within these two friendlies against uh, against Colombia. 
Yeah, I would, I would certainly agree with that. And, and again, I, I'm obviously they're going to have the, the staff monitoring these players and rotating, but yeah, I, I agree completely. And, you know, to Lisa, to your point about Emily Sonnet, no, she doesn't typically play center back under Blacko. And so she might be one of those players we've seen her rotate, rotate into that left back position. So, um, alleviate some of the, um, amount of minutes that Fox gets to. So yeah, I think it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, I would like to see where to though get a, quite a few minutes of that right yeah. back position. I think she's been excellent with OL Rain, and um, you know, different player than Kelly in a lot of ways. Um, but it, it'll be you know that partnership between whoever's playing in the midfield. If that's Rose, obviously they have the connection on OL Rain. Even though we've seen Rose play a few different mm-hmm. um, positions for for club, um, but you know, it's something that Blacko always talks about: is the three on the right side, the three on the left, which typically is the outside back, the winger, and that um, midfielder on that particular side. So it'll be interesting to see his looks into what he's looking at in terms of partnerships and uh, connectivity, right. And how that looks differently from the right side to the left side. And, um, but I think that would be, I would like to see that partnership if it is so Sophia Smith and um, Huerta and what that looks like and how that affects each other's game really. Right. So, so in terms of the, the lines going vertically down the pitch, and that is something that, I mean, is important in the game, whether it's the outside back midfielder and then the forward, if, if you look at the, the Washington spirit players on this roster, there's quite a few of them. And if you do vertical lines down the pitch, um, someone like Kelly O'Hara, Ashley Sanchez in the midfield, does that maybe call for more rotation of a player like Ashley Hatch or Trinity Rodman into that front line? Uh, maybe shaking up the the trio of Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan in that sense. If if you think like that's a, a big factor for Vlaco to look at those vertical lines, do you think we could see that, Lori? In terms, you mean of like if Hatch coming in because of her, yeah, just like a little bit more rotation from a player like Hatch to see how she plays in, in a vertical line with someone like Sanchez, even Sullivan, right in the midfield. We could get double and then an O'Hara in the back line. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that is taken into consideration. We've talked about that, right? Like of having to be able to have that kind of understanding and um, on the field, like when when you're going from club into country. And that will be, I think, continue to be even more important. But also when you get into, they're going to have these training sessions leading up. And I think Black is going to be like, this is who we're going with. Yeah. And at some point in time, that will be a part of the consideration. But I also think that's not going to be the full picture either, right? I think sometimes you're looking at the the whole three games at first. How are we going to rotate players in general? How, how is everyone feeling? How's fatigue set in? And then also... Um, within a game and then who you're playing, who is your, who's your opponent and what does that look like? Does that call for something different? And I spoke about that before in terms of depending on who you're playing, do you go with a, an Ashley Hatch? That's a different player than Alex Morgan, right? Depending on how you expect maybe the opponent to play you, are they going to play a higher line? Are they going to play sit back? So I think those are the things that are going to be looked upon. Um, uh, more so once you get into um, the tournament. and But in, the, in this group, I think it's just going to be about who's ready to play and who Black was looking for to, to play a big role going into the championship and the qualifiers. Let's let's stick with, with this energy here. We're 
talking tactics, maybe positionally right now for right now, but let's let's shift a little bit to maybe what we could be seeing on, on the pitch. And again, I want to shout out uh, the episode that we did with with Melissa Ortiz talking about Columbia can kind of inspired this next segment. Shout out to Kickoff Coffee. Uh, <laughs> coffee, Lori's got it. She's ready to go for these late night matches happening. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at so let, let's identify maybe this middle third here because this is something that we asked Melissa and we want to maybe bring up to you too as well, Lori. Uh, what we might see uh, work out for for Colombia, maybe maybe an advantage that they could have or an opportunity in front of them. And she kind of talked a little bit about their midfield and how maybe that could be an area of strength for the for that team to go ahead and lean on when you're looking at sort of maybe the tactical. Uh, lineups or sort of the tactical things positionally here in, in the middle third between these two teams. What, what are you going to be looking at here? Well, one, I'm, I'll be looking to see who is starting in our three, right? I mean, there yeah. has been a lot of dialogue and um, discussion around the true only true number six being brought in is Andy Sullivan. So then how does, and, and listen, we've had a lot of discussion too about, um, Okay, so then how it doesn't look like there's going to be any changes in terms of formation, right? And I don't think you need to. But how does that look? How do players play differently? What does that look like? Um, again, in terms of the opposition. So Anna Sullivan, no doubt, will be, I feel, to be the six in there. And um, how does she control the game? But then let's say Lindsay Horan and Rose LaBelle are playing in there. How does that adjust Lindsay Horan's? What is the um, direction that's given to her in terms of her game? Does she drop back a little bit to help set play too? Um, does a Huerta, who's the outside back, pinch into number six when they're in position, possession as well, right? Like there's different factors that you can plug in and little different principles of play that adjust um, how the U.S. is playing. So, you know, in terms of Melissa Ortiz, like I like what she said, and she spoke about Catalina for one of the players specifically mm-hmm. coming in who could like lead this team, and they're going to be their strong suit in the midfield. So I'll be curious about, you know, Colombia and how they set up, and yeah. then how do we adjust? Right, no doubt. Or like, listen, you're talking about our front three, like they've been dynamite in the NWSL so far. There's going to be pressure. We're is going to put um, Colombia's defense um, right from the get go. Right, like there's. We've seen that time and time again. But then as the game settles in, then how do we make adjustments? And and I also think to, to Melissa's point, you know, they have a lot of fresh faces coming into their team. And, but I think in a lot of ways, um, for some of these nations, gone are the days where they're like, ah, the U.S., right? Like players mm-hmm. are playing consistently. They're playing professionally. They're... Um, now, how do you deal with the pressure of the U.S. and our ability to attack in numbers and continue to put on players is a whole other thing. But I think that they're going to come out and they're going to utilize their midfield and they're going to say, hey, let's try to play. Let's try to keep the ball and be mindful about their positioning. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting adjustment and in how and it'll call for action for like, you know, Andy to step in and, um, you know, dictate play. And I'm excited about that because I think. Andy in this first part of the NWSL hasn't had like a lot of consistent minutes coming back from injury. Right. And there has been rotation previously um, in that sixth position with the national team. So I think yeah. it's a really great opportunity for her. It's, it's going to be a long test. Answer, but you get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be a test for them and not in, in a test the way that, 
some fans are going to say, like, if this scoreline ends up being a bit lopsided, because it's still a test of the consistency and how this team and, and this group of players can problem solve on the pitch, because so much of it is how Columbia is going to set up, right? Like, Vlako Andonofsky and, and this midfield, or rather the entire 11 on the pitch, can have a game plan as to what they want to do. But if they realize in the first five minutes of this match that um, Columbia has overloaded their midfield and they've really stacked a lot of players in there to make it very congested. How does the United States respond to that and react to that? Um, and a lot of that problem solving is going to stem from Andy Sullivan. And if she can be the problem solver in those situations and finding the space and creating more space, whether that's dropping back um, and opening up that midfield a little bit. Um, Lori, one thing you mentioned that I thought was very interesting, perked up my ears on that, is a, a double pivot in the six, or rather if a Sofia Huerta on the outside will come in. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I really don't. In terms of how the United States has historically played against Colombia, um, these two teams played in January of 2021. And in, in that match where the midfield for Colombia was also very strong. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the space was on the flank. And a player like Sofia Huerta is someone that you want to keep out wide. Although she can play in the middle, middle and she can problem solve because she is so versatile, her strengths are on the width of the field and getting the ball into the space, combining with those midfield players, bringing herself farther down the field into attacking positions. So I don't foresee a, a Huerta or an O'Hara, whoever the outside backs may be, a Fox, cutting inside in that moment. Okay, yeah, let me explain a little bit more then yeah, what I'm saying, because like, let's say Fox does have the ball and she's providing the width, right? And um, it's on the other side. I'm not saying Werta is just going to cut inside all the time. I'm saying you don't ultimately want Werta and Sophia Smith, if they're playing on the right side, staying in the exact same line. Exactly. That's predictable. And when teams are organized defensively, which Columbia will be, then if you're just staying in the same plane or on the same line, then that's def you're defended easily, right? So it when you think about ver verticality and the movements, then where is let's say it's Roosevelt? Where is Roosevelt pulling out to? Is she yes. going to be out wide a little bit? Is Sophia Smith going to cut in? Then you do need a, a where to pinch in a little bit, and we do see her with that with OL. Yes, that's it. We've seen her um, hit a a brilliant goal early on in the season. It might've even been in the challenge cup by pinch in on top of the 18, right? Yeah, so like a weak like, side pinch in a weak side coverage to support. Oh, in but even if the ball is on that side, yeah. yes, I agree that Huerta is excellent in the wide areas, but you also have to look at what the game's giving you. And so if Sophia Smith is providing the width, then again, does it do any good if where just providing the width in the same plane as well? So how does the fluidity um, work in terms of not being it's angles, right? Soccer's angles. So totally. it's, angles, it's where you're moving. And one of the reasons why I really um, enjoy uh, Werta's game, and we see this with Fox on the other side and Crystal Dunn when she's playing, absolutely, having a bit of a free role on what that yeah. looks like. And that doesn't mean you're just going down the line and crossing the ball. Like they all have the understanding and the ability to be able to cut in at times. Yep. Um, and, and when I say a, a double pivot, I'm not saying that where is also just sitting next to, um, no, no. <laughs> uh, uh, Andy Sullivan, but in the men's game, we see that we have seen this with Bayern Munich. They do have a player as their outside back that steps in as the six in possession to also like be in a, a, a place of like, when the ball does turn over, do they have cover? But yeah. then also when it does turn over or they do keep position possession, 
you have proper angles to be able to work off of that. And if you're not going to play a true two holding, then how do you manipulate the game in a way to create that coverage? Yeah. Now listen, I'm not saying that's going to happen against Columbia. And that is, it is, it is options is what I'm saying. Right. And if the game evolves and we've seen this with players and the, the, uh, outside backs for our team continue to evolve in their free role, which the players that we have in those positions should, then that's, that's, these are options that are available. Right. I, I love given talking about these going to have, Given that I don't foresee a formation change, nor does no. that have to happen. Right. So no, I agree. And I love talking about these options and that's why I'm going to continue to pick your brain here. So when we look at our front <laughs> line and the options that are there, right. Like Alex Morgan is going to play that nine, that center striker. Um, which is a very different look than someone like Katarina Macario, who is is not called in ACL injury. Very unfortunate. So now it, it shifts a little bit as to what that front line is going to look like. Because um, say if if a Macario is in there, she's one that's really going to drop back and play almost a false nine and rotate with that midfield. How do you see the rotation from the central midfielders or the attacking midfielders and that front line, whether it's centrally or out on the flank? Do you see anything different there based on the personnel? Well, I do see, I mean, you're, you're completely right. I mean, that's a totally different player, Alex Morgan to Academy. Yeah. Right. But Alex Morgan also can play back to goal. Um, and she also, as we saw over the weekend with the little connection of um, her and Taylor Korniak, she can clearly make the runs of like uh, inside out. I mean, listen, she's called, listen, this is our first call up in a while, but she scored <laughs> how many goals at the international level? We're not talking somebody that's never been at this level before. So um, yeah, I think it, it, the exciting thing about the U.S. team is when you look at these players, they're a lot of them are vastly different, right? So they're giving you a different look. Um, so I think you know, in in some cases, how does that look with Alex Morgan? How does Mal Pugh play? We see her with um, Chicago almost drop back as a midfielder. Will we see that yeah. in, in um, with the U.S. and then how can she link up with Alex Morgan? I do think in these games, so we will see Alex Morgan play a bit more back to goal and be a little bit of an outlet to link up with the midfielders because I do expect um, at times, not always Columbia to get compact defensively, have numbers behind the ball. So, you know, I'm not so sure there'll be a ton of space in behind. Now we have been wrong about that before. I've been (laughs) wrong because there are games in April, right? Like I didn't expect Uzbekistan to come out and play high line and they did. Goodness, loads of space, right? So you never know, honestly. I do think it depends on how Columbia decides they want to utilize these games, right? And that goes back to our, or my point about um, gone into the days where teams are like, oh, let's just sit back and be as compact as possible. Yeah. And like, you know, like teams are like, no, well, let's, we are advancing. Let's our see. Get better. Yeah. Well, this is also, these are also the games to do that though. Like I'm, yeah, I'm just absolutely. like sitting, I'm, I feel like I'm part of the other audience here listening to the two of you. Like, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Because part of that is, is I think these are the two types of games in which they can do that because these are like, we refer to them at the top of this segment as kind of the tune up. And they're, they, these are two teams that both have bigger pictures in front of them. So I am, I'm with you, Lori. I'm curious as to maybe we, if we are going to see something a little bit different from, from uh, the Colombian side specifically. And that's something that Melissa Ortiz alluded to in our episode about Colombia. She, she said how, 
she was almost disappointed that Colombia was playing the United States right before their World Cup qualifiers because this is an exhausting game to defend and to chase yeah. because of the high energy, the transition, the high press that the United States puts on opponents. So I'm thinking that we might see something a little different from Colombia in terms of the fluidity of the game, whereas in, in certain moments of the game, Columbia is going to attack and they're going to look to put their offense and pose it onto the United States. And then there are going to be other moments where they almost sit back and, and try to catch their breath. But I don't mean it like that. More just sit back and assess defensively. OK, what can we do now in, in those types of moments? So I really think it's going to be a game that is going to require the players to read in game what's happening and adjust on the fly as to what the opponent is giving them on both sides of it for Colombia and the United States, and then how to make those adjustments in game on the fly based on the personnel that they have already on the pitch. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I want to, before we start closing this out, because this is something that I also asked um, Melissa when we were doing the, the Colombian side of the, of the preview and I wanted to bring to you as well, Lori, like looking at the, the, the history between these two teams, I love looking at it because even though it's, it's going to be the, the ninth and the 10th time that they're playing each other, but a lot of these games between these two teams have come very recently, like within the last decade. And then there's, there's obviously some things from within the Olympics uh, <laughs> that you could probably yeah. attest to as, as well when it goes to going up against these things. I, I, I think people look at on paper, they look at those, those score lines and they sort of, throw that out the window. They throw out the concept of a rivalry between these two in, uh, teams and just say that, that 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 doesn't exist. But I think that's a little unfair because I think if you're looking at records between teams, I mean, you can maybe use the same argument against the, against Canada that United States has a better record there too. And, and somehow yet they are heralded as, as the main rivals, in the United States, yeah. uh, right. In terms of the North, uh, the, in terms of the Americas, whether it's North central or, or South. So when I'm looking at, the history between Colombia, I, I am like, you know, there's actually a good rivalry here but between these two teams. And I wanted to wonder if you could talk a little bit about that with us on, on the USA side of things, because Melissa spoke with us a little bit about it on the Colombia side of things. Yeah, I think anytime you put on the jersey for the U.S. too, you realize that everyone's showing up like to play their best game. Right. And that has evolved over the years and exactly what we've been talking about throughout this podcast. Um, the, the game has grown and is growing. Yeah. And so there's more opportunities, more players are playing, they're playing against best players. So, and, and, and when you play the U.S., you also know it's like, here we go. There's going to be a lot of pressure and there's going to be um, players coming off the bench that can apply the same amount, right, of pressure and withstand the same amount and go and they want to score goals, right, where it works. Um, so I think that's part of it. But also on the other side is we play a lot of games, the U.S. does. So it's, it's a scoutable team. And so it is the most scouted and, uh, and for, that's a huge advantage for a lot of these players and, and teams coming in to understand some nuance of what the U S is trying to do and how to stop. And, and so I think that always adds an interesting element and there's been some fun games. Like, I mean, we play to your point about the Olympics, right. And then the world cup, regardless <laughs> of the scoreline, I mean, this is going to be a good Columbia team, right? And they're going to be organized and they're going to be understanding what's the task at hand um, about what actually is um, a top of mind, which is qualifying for the World Cup um, next month for them, right? So yeah, there's, I think there is, there's always some excitement when these teams play. And like I said, regardless of the scoreline, they're, they're much tighter 
then um, sometimes the score always shows. So I think this is this is going to be fun, and there's going to be some young and new players for Columbia um, that will get opportunities. That is always just going to continue to elevate their nation as well. So I love that. Let's let's start closing out. Let's close it out on this one since we both agree that. Um, you know, there's going to be a scoreline uh, that's going to look a certain type of way, maybe in the in these games. And we're all excited to see this combination of, of Smith, Pugh and, and Morgan in, in, in some capacity. And when you hear those names in the lineup, you imagine that, yes, there will be uh, some some goals happening. So let me ask you guys this instead of putting like a, a prediction or a scoreline on things. Uh, who would you like to see have a, a big game in any of these uh, two friendlies over the course of the next week? Who's Who's your player that you are zeroing in on and say you want to have really good games heading into Concacaf qualifiers? Well, I mean, I can't just do two. I can't just do one. I got to right. do two. And that is, and I was like, my brain's like three, four. Like, yes, go ahead, <laughs> name them. Um, drop names. Well, listen, there would be a lot of players actually that like would be fun to like say why I think this is right and like why not. But honestly, for, for me, it's it, um, without dissecting it tactically and stuff. I'm going with just with Mal Pugh and with Sophia Smith. And the reason why I'm picking those two is because they have been so fun to watch in our mm-hmm. league. They are on fire. But most importantly, it feels like they're they're having fun and mm-hmm. they're playing with joy. And I want that for them always with this national team, right? And to mm-hmm. and and it's not even like they're the future; they're the now. So we yeah, also. Yeah. Um, I think they know that they like people expect them to score. Right. And they want to score. I mean, I think they welcome that. So those are the two players for me. It's like, I feel like it has less to do regardless of the score line. And if there is like a lopsided score line or not, it's more about those players are playing at an incredibly high level. And it more has to do with that than anything else than like, how is Columbia defending or, or not or whatever, right? It's more about those players and what they're bringing. So it'd be yeah, those I, I agree. I mean, I love the shout to Pew and Smith. Um, uh, Pew is one of mine for sure. I, I want her to have a fantastic game, have fun with it. I'm expecting like three assists from her uh, over maybe like four or five over the two friendlies, but like, she's a huge assist player. Right. And, and, and then if I look at Sophia Smith, like I want her to score goals. Like I want her to just like get so confident in, in finishing and shooting and finding the open pockets and, and slotting the ball past the goalkeeper. Right. Like as simple as that sounds. Um, but so Mallory P was the one that came to mind initially for me and like, just rack up the assist girlfriend, like go for it. And then Andy Sullivan, I want Sullivan to have a knockdown game. I want her to be firing on all cylinders, unstoppable, defensively the biggest lock that the United States has on the pitch, center backs, outside backs, midfielders, forwards. I want her to be defensively all over the place, stopping every play that happens, and then offensively to really control the tempo of the game and switch the point of attack. Like I'm waiting for that game from Andy Sullivan where it's like, yes, you are our six, and uh, I am so here for it because I don't think we've seen that yet from her as I am owning this position, and it is mine, and no one can take it from me. So I want to see that game from Andy Sullivan in either of these matches, preferably both of them, but those are my players, Mallory Pugh and Andy Sullivan. I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, listen, I'm shocked that nobody chose a defender here on attacking third, so I'm going to go with it. We talked a little bit <laughs> tactically about things, and if there's going to be some interesting matchups in the middle, 
I'm not going to be anti-long ball in this game at all. Why don't you just see a center back lob one over that entire middle third and see what happens when you lay it off to a Mal Pugh or a Sophia Smith. Just see what happens. I would love to see an Alana Cook or Naomi Girma assist in either of these games. I want to see it. Let me see the defenders in the scoreboard and in the scoreline. I would love to see it. So I'm going to be looking at those two, but we can't. We cannot leave off players like like Pugh and Smith as as players that we want to see have big games, big breakout moments. um, in these matches leading up to the qualifiers. So uh, I'm with the two of you, but I, I, w- I would like to maybe see some of that as well. I think uh, these are two center backs who have some really good vision and uh, have some really good distribution as well. So I wouldn't mind seeing that at all. Who doesn't love a good long ball over the top? Let's see what happens. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to Attacking Third. As always, follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your shows. We're also available as video. Subscribe on YouTube dot com slash attacking third if you've got questions for us you can leave us a five-star review on apple podcast with your question and we will answer it during